as many in the world are bowing down and even getting on their knees for the issue of transgenderism, Pastor Mike Todd of Transformation Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, is claiming that his church's name has the term trans in it because they welcome trans people into their church and even goes as far as to say that feeling, and I quote, horny for someone other than your wife isn't sin. Stay with us as we look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we're going to be looking at a couple of sermons by Pastor Mike Todd of Transformation Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And some of the very concerning and even, I would say, forked tongue things he has to say regarding multiple issues as his popularity has continued to grow, and some of these statements are really important for us to try to decipher because these issues are coming more and more common, are becoming more and more common in the church. But before you do, make sure to subscribe to this channel, Good Fight Ministries, as well as put a like on this video if you feel so led, and leave us a nice rating on the podcast formats that you might be using to listen to this because. We want to get these messages out because what I see here is a very mixed bag in terms of the sermons, and I made sure to listen to the entirety of both sermons that I will be quoting from today because a lot of people say, listen to the whole sermon, you'll get it. But what I see, and this is from sermons that I've listened to from four years ago and today from none other than Pastor Mike Todd, I see a lot of convolution. I see a lot of forked tongue, which If you are going into listening to these sermons or going in to listening to other sermons as well, I've heard this from other teachers as well, you can ultimately get out whatever you want, especially if you have an affinity for the teacher. You can take what you want and say, well, that's really what he was trying to say. You're not really understanding this over here. And I do believe that this is the same thing that politicians do. It is a very dangerous precedent. And to be honest, it's one of those things that is used over and over again in the culture that we live in when somebody's trying to get a vote from both sides of the aisle and so forth. And it shouldn't be done from pastors. Pastors should be speaking clearly to issues and they should be speaking clearly from the word of God to the audience and leaving the opinions to the side, which is really interesting when we play this first clip because this very first clip that we're going to play from you from a recent sermon from Pastor Mike Todd is actually in the context of opinions and that God's opinion ultimately is more important than ours. But then you're going to hear the way he parses this. And I'll try to break this up a little bit as we go through it because it is really interesting. And as I said, if you're someone who has an affinity for him or thinks he's a great teacher or something like that, you can ultimately take whatever you want out of this because of the way in which he shares certain God decided male and female. No, no, no. I'm not. This is not a bad. I need y'all to hear my heart on this. Now, first of all, there are a lot of theatrics, and I mean that both in the way that he presents things, but also I mean that in the way that he uses props and different methodology of, of teaching. But nonetheless, 
this first statement seems pretty good on the surface. And so when you're looking at it, hey, he's affirming exactly what Jesus affirmed in Matthew chapter 19 when he affirmed the creative order given in Genesis when Jesus said he made them male and female. Okay, so right now, as far as we're concerned, if this is a stop point, then guess what? What he's saying is correct, especially considering this comes from the context of saying our opinion doesn't matter in light of God's opinion. So, so far, so good. This is not a bashing. This is not a... He... If I was there, maybe I would have told him, is there something in the middle you could do? Like kind of a, like a little maybe if somebody... Well, I was born like this. I don't know how I feel. That I, I feel you. And I wish that there was an option of other in the kingdom. In culture, you can make up whatever you want to. In culture, you can build whatever you want to, but the truth of the matter is that if we are going to submit under what the king says, I'm going to have to wrestle with what I don't even fully understand. Now, a few things there. One, the idea that the culture can make up whatever they want. Yes, they can, but that doesn't mean that it's true even within the culture. You see, because the creative order that God lays out in Genesis isn't simply for those who are going to inherit the kingdom of God. In fact, when it comes to that, if you're allowing people to just simply call themselves whatever they want and affirming them to live a lie— you are not telling them the truth. And I think a lot of this comes, and if you see at the beginning of this clip, he's like, should I even go there? Should I even go there? Don't get me wrong. I think a lot of that's just theatrics. But nonetheless, if that's really how he feels, oh, should I be going there? Should I be talking about this? This is where the rubber needs to meet the road. And when we say things like this, specifically, and guys, we're dealing with this because he's a pastor of a very large church, and people are being led astray. And that really does concern us. And so when you see this and when you hear this sort of language and you're hearing him talk this way, and when he says things like, oh, I wish there was this other option. And if I was there with God when he was creating everyone, maybe I could have given him an option C. That's a big problem. I have a big problem with that. Even that sort of language, even if you're trying to just simply, oh, I want someone on my side for this argument and then going to share it. Using that sort of language tells us that you think that you might know a better way than the one who made you, the one who made the stars in the sky, the one who made your DNA molecule, that you might know a better way. And that's simply just not true. And even to suggest something, I'm sorry, even if you're trying to give him a lot of leeway, I think there's a big problem there. Pastors don't say this because they want to be absolute. Well, why did that? I don't freaking know. I know, honestly, I wish God would have made it so much simpler and it was like A, B, C, or D, like frick. I'm sorry, but God could not have made it any more simple. It's actually the truth that is very simple. It's lies that create the spiderwebs. And that's exactly what goes on. I mean, we don't even know at what point does the alphabet game in the LGBTQ, RXTUZ, we don't even know. Most people do not know. If you were asking somebody on the street, what on earth does that mean? Most people do not know. But everyone knows male and female. Everyone knows what that is inherently. It's very complex for the lie, but it's very simple for the truth. And ultimately, this acquiescing 
And like I said, you're going to see, even in this very clip, you could believe whatever you want in terms of what he is trying to convey. You could say, I believe he's trying to convey for trans rights. And you could also say, no, absolutely not. He says, let's go to the Bible and let's see that. I wish God would have made it so much simpler and it was like A, B, C, or D, like frick. No, I'm serious. As a pastor, like, so what do you think about gay marriage? I don't know. What do you think about gay marriage? And the pastor of this church says, I don't know. We need men to deliver scriptures and share the truth of God's word because they know, because they know what God's word has said. Because once he said it, that's it. There's no question. Homosexual activity, the lusting of a homosexual, and we're going to get into that further when it comes to lusting and and so forth, when it comes to a later statement in this very sermon. But these activities are outside of what God has prescribed for the human race. In fact, it even calls these actions unnatural. Think about that. It calls them unnatural in Romans, the very first chapter. It is so important for us to simply say, God's word has said it, we believe it, we trust it, and we convey that truth to others. You are supposed to, the very goal, the very purpose, it says in Ephesians chapter 4, that God is the one, Jesus himself, specifically who is being spoken about there, who is the one who placed pastors in their role. And what is it for? Not only to encourage one another to love and good deeds, but guess what else it is for? It is so people are not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And when people ask them questions regarding homosexual marriage or trans rights or whatever it may be, that they don't say, I don't know because neither my pastor does. As if God's word has not spoken on the subject, whether Romans 1 or 1 Corinthians chapter 6 or Leviticus chapter 18 or Jesus in Matthew chapter 19, over and over again when we see the scriptures, they are so abundantly clear. And you simply saying you don't know what it says about gay marriage says that you are not qualified. Titus 1 is very clear in terms of the office of a pastor and to actually have that office you must be able to teach sound doctrine and refute those who do not. If you are not able to do this, then you are simply, and I'm sorry, at best a motivational speaker and at worst carry the fruit of a false prophet because you are creeping in unnoticed to some, at least the doctrine that is creeping in unnoticed, which is the trading of the grace of God for licentiousness or a license of immorality. Oh, I'm in the grace of God. I'm walking in it. So we can just do this. It's no problem. And you're welcome here. Let's let's see what else he has to say. But I do know in the kingdom. <laughs> They're gonna cancel me. In the I'm not the king. I don't I don't know why he decided to do it like this. I don't know why you're wrestling like that, and I don't know what to do to help you but to stand with you. If you're helping of someone who is struggling with sexual sin, and don't, I'm sorry, I cannot stand, and it is so heartbreaking that when it comes to this issue, whether trans or homosexual, 
that all of a sudden this is the issue that everyone just bends the knee for. That this is the issue that when we talk about it in the church, not, I don't believe, true biblically based people who love God, those churches, but when we talk about it, when you hear these sermons, these statements, the absolute acquiescing to it, and every time there's always this, well, they're more loving. You could watch Anley Standy talk about that. And they do more, look at they write up for more of this and they write up. Guys, what have you talked about rapists this way? Or what have you talked about thieves this way? Or what have you talked about just about anything this way? That, oh, they're such nice people. I bet they 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 give this and they do that. And they, guys, it's ridiculous. That's not what the Bible describes. This is not how we should be talking about sin. Sin is destructive. It is killing them. And you're sitting there talking to them. I will stand with you as you're just engaged in unrepentant sexual sin. I will stand next to you as you continue to cheat on your wife. I will stand next to you as you continue to look at pornography, unrepentant, unrelenting, just given over to the flesh. Guys, this is disgusting. We don't talk about this like any other sin. We don't sit here and go, well, we we just know you love them. It's not love. Stop calling it that. It is not loving to look at somebody who is engaging in the corruption of the flesh, who is engaging in the very thing that brings forth no life but only death, and to say that's love. That is not the love of the Scriptures. We get our definition through God's Word. Not through what the culture says, oh, they love each other because they feel a lustful inclination towards one another. Therefore, that's love. That is not love. That is a corruption of that which is good. It's heartbreaking. You should not talk about sexual sin this way. Does it mean we do not love them? Absolutely not. I have to simply put it on the same plane, the same playing field that I put any other sin that someone is struggling with that needs to repent. But this isn't struggling. This is standing by patting on the back. Do you realize in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 that you're not supposed to eat with them? If someone claims to be a believer and is engaging in such activity that we are not supposed to eat with them, why would God say that? God would say that because guess what? Because in doing so, you are patting them on the back and telling them, even though you're in this sin, you are a brother or sister in Christ. And Paul said, it should not be this way. Expel the wicked man from among you. Don't brag about having them in your church and welcoming them. This is heartbreaking. This is sick. This is sad. And this is not love. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 9, to love without hypocrisy, hate that which is evil, Cling to that which is good. This is heartbreaking. This is not how we see people have victory in Christ over the sexual temptations that are warring against their own body. I don't know why you're wrestling like that, and I don't know what to do to help you but to stand with you and pray with you, and not, and you're welcome at Transformation Church. Trans is in the title. Transformation, you can be here. Oh, You're loved here. I want you here. Now, I'm sure that transformation isn't where he came up with the idea for loving and accepting trans people into his church, but probably just worked alongside the message here. But nonetheless, the loving and praying for people, 
what are you being transformed into? Because when I read the scriptures, we are being transformed into the likeness of his son. For those whom he called, those whom he justified, those ones who are in Christ Jesus, what has he done? He has predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. That is putting aside, it says to flee, run away from youthful lust, flee from them. I think of, obviously, I think Joseph is the best picture of that, right? When Potiphar's wife goes to sleep with him, he doesn't say, well, this is love and I'll be there next to you, standing next to you as you simply want to engage in adultery. No, he fled, even left his clothes there. I mean, think about that. That's fleeing useful us, not the acceptance thereof. To love someone is to tell them the truth. If someone is standing in the middle of the road, about to be taken out by a semi-truck, and I say, I just don't want to offend them. I don't want to I don't want to offend them. I want to stand next to them. You're both going to get splattered. No, do whatever you can. Tackle them, whatever it takes. They don't realize what's about to hit them. Let them know it's not loving, it's not prayer, it's not transformative in the way that God's Word transforms us, in the way that the Holy Spirit transforms us, that gives us victory over the sin that so easily entangles us, that gives us victory over the very things that wage war against our soul. It is actually our sin that separates us from God, and this acceptance of it is heartbreaking. But don't think that just transgenderism and homosexuality is accepted here. Because I want you to hear what else Mike Todd said later in this very sermon regarding those who get angry with their wife. My wife made me mad. So I want to go talk to the girl at my job. My natural response is, you treat me like that, I'm going to go do something that makes me feel better. In the kingdom... You have to put that response. It's okay to feel it. Nobody has ever gotten in trouble for feeling it. Oh, no, this is too much. Everybody say, I can feel it. I can't act on it. I'm okay for you to feel horny. Oh my God, wanna cheat on your wife? Wanna cheat on your husband? Feel like leaving them nappy-headed kids to make they, I'm moving the whole wife, feel it? Look up flights, $600, I'll be out of here tomorrow. I will be out of here. Everybody say, feel it. God wouldn't have given you feelings if he didn't expect you to feel it. The feeling that you're feeling is sin. It is corruption. It needs to be brought captive to the obedience of Christ. God isn't the one who gave you the feelings of sin. And if you don't believe me, don't. Don't trust me. Don't trust my opinion. This is what Jesus said about those feelings of wanting to Be horny for someone who's not your wife. That's the context. I hate even using the words he used. By the way, the blasphemy. I don't know if you guys noticed that too. Just sad, but these are the words of Jesus. Forget the words of Chad. Forget the words of Mike. These are the words of Jesus. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. 
But I say to you that everyone who looks on a woman to lust for her has committed adultery with her in his heart. Seems like Jesus takes it seriously. But just how serious does he take this feeling that he claims you're supposed to get these feelings? You're, there's nothing wrong with having those feelings. You're supposed to not to do it. But the feeling is what he said is actually committing adultery in your heart. And here's what it says. And if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it out from you. For it is better for you that one of the parts of your body perish than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. For it is better for you that one of the parts of your body perish than for your whole body to go into hell. Guys, yes, the feeling of wanting to commit adultery and looking at a woman with lust after her, or as, of course, the scholar Mike Todd would tell you, feeling is something God put there. Don't know how he gets to that conclusion. But guys, this is wrong. That feeling is sinful when you allow it to formulate in your heart to a place where you are picturing someone else and sleeping with someone else who is not your wife. That is wicked and that is sinful. And sadly enough, these practices of sin, and that's what these are. We're not talking about stumbling and, and you know, as it says in James chapter 3, verse 2, we included himself in that. James, the brother of Jesus, the pastor there of the church in Jerusalem, he claimed that we all stumble in many ways, and that was regarding the tongue as well. So yes, those stumbling blocks do come. They're unavoidable a lot of times, but this is not the living in sin and claiming to be a brother in Christ. This is not a living in homosexuality. This is not a living inside of just simply rampant sin of any sort, of lusting, whatever it may be. And sadly enough, when it comes to Mike Todd, this seems par for the course for what he thinks because he seems to, and I, I heard this on another sermon, and I want to give, I try to give as much grace as possible without going to a place where that grace actually allows for them to teach things that are very dangerous. And people go, oh, well, it's not that big of a deal. I'll just eat the meat and spit out the bones. Because in another sermon titled, I Am Right With God, he actually goes into talking about our standing with God. And I will be honest, I listened to this sermon, and this is from four years ago. And I listened to this sermon, and in a lot of it, you could say amen. Our standing with God, we're, our, we're, we're saved by grace through faith. We're not saved by our works. We could say amen to that. But the problem is, is the identifiable properties that God gives us in his word regarding those who are saved. And 1 John chapter 3, not just 1 John chapter 3, but when you get 1 John chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, that tell us what a child of God looks like, just to start it, when John the Apostle, who wrote 1 John, tells us that he saw with his own eyes, he touched with his own hands, he heard with his own ears the message from Jesus and said, the message that we got from Jesus, that God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If anyone says they know him, you yet walk in darkness, they lie and do not practice the truth. They do not know God if they simply walk in darkness. And 1 John chapter 3 tells us the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. They're manifest. They're easily seen because those who practice righteousness are righteous just as he is righteous. But those who practice sin are of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning, but Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. And then in 1 John chapter 5, we see who are those who are the children of God? Who are those that know God? They are the ones that keep his commandments because his commandments are not burdensome. And the difference is there is a difference 
from somebody who stumbles and someone who lives and practices sin, as 1 John chapter 3 warns about. There is a big difference from somebody whose entire narrative of their, of their life is that they love Jesus and still have stumbling places, but they get back up, they turn from it, recognize it. Part of that repentance is having a different outlook on what sin is, and the Holy Spirit convicts us of that sin that we would turn from it, and when we stumble, it's not something that we just live in, but we turn from it. But in his message, where he says, "I the, uh, called, I am right with God, this message gets really convoluted because he sounds like sometimes he'll quote, Stuff like in in Romans, where it says very clearly, should I go sin all the more that grace may abound? May it never be. He'll quote that. But like I said, you can get whatever message you really want from this. Because here's what he has to say, not understanding justification and sanctification, and that without sanctification, no one, not one of us, nobody will see the Lord. I am made righteous by my position, not my performance. No, you need to hear this. Some of y'all need to get it tattooed on your back. I am not made righteous by my performance. I am made righteous by my position. And when you understand that, you'll understand that, yeah, I may suffer consequences for things I do wrong here on this earth, but God still sees his son. Just think of the prodigal son. He took his father's inheritance, went and squandered it on mis- most theologians believe on hookers on on gambling on on frivolous living but the father never disowned him as his son yeah. Yeah. Wow. like he never said <laughs> you remember the brother you used to have he would stand out every morning grace looking to extend the unearned unmerited undeserved he did the wrong thing favor and kindness of a father to the son who did the wrong thing who acted unrighteously but it did not change his position in the family ah church until we believe this we look at people on the street who smoke as less than us instead of as my brother and sister you look at the person who's walking into the gay nightclub as an enemy instead of your brother and sister just because they're doing the wrong thing does not mean they're not in the family in the story of the prodigal son it finishes the parable of the prodigal son jesus finishes it this way quoting the father for this son of mine was dead and has come to life again He was lost and has been found, and they began to celebrate. You see, when you actually read through the story of the prodigal son, one, you'll find out that the brother, (laughs) it's really about the brother being upset, the older brother being upset. But the big thing here is not understanding that that repentance had to take place there. And I say that, saying the convoluted message that he gave honestly made no sense, especially when he talked about not sinning all the more at grace, because when you look at the book of Ephesians and you see the fact that we are seated in heavenly places, the fact that we do stand in Christ is who we stand next to Christ, and ultimately we walk in a manner worthy of the calling that we've been given in Christ Jesus. But when you look here, In Luke chapter 15, where you read of the prodigal son, you don't see a person that is simply still in the family. He he comes back to life again. He was once a part of the family and turned from the family and is brought back to life when he turns and repents and has that change of heart, which leads to a change 
of action, and we do see the loving arms of the Father. The person that is just continuously going, just as he was, he talks about him in frivolous living or in loose living, as it says in the text. Yeah, we do see that very clearly, but we see them that he was dead in that state. It was when he returned to the Father. It was when that heart changed and he got up out of the muck and went back to his Father. The people that are entering into these gay clubs or whatever it may be, guys, these are not people that are in love with the Father. These are not people that are running after him. And to surmise that they're our brother and sister in Christ, when 1 John chapter 3 tells us that they're identified by their behavior, they're identified by the fact that they are not repented, they do not care about that sin. And this is the problem of antinomianism. This is the problem of not recognizing the difference between a child of God and a child of the devil. We are saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God, lest anyone should boast. But just as it says that, when you get to verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, then you get to verse 10 that we are his workmanship, that we have been now made a new creation, by the way, as, as 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, for good works in Ephesians chapter 2 that we are his workmanship, his poema, and that we are now going to be saved and now produce good works because bad trees produce bad fruit. Good trees produce good fruit. And the truth is, is that if you are in the vine, then guess what? You will bear fruit. If you are not, you will be cut off and burnt up. And whatever profession of faith Although the seed is imperishable, the soil that it falls upon, we need to recognize the parable of the sower and make sure that we are that last soil, the one that bears fruit, not the one that's snatched away by Satan, not the one with the cares and the fares of this world, take him away. No, no, no. But that we stay in Christ. We turn to him, but our trust in him, recognize that salvation is of the Lord. It's completely through him. We give nothing. We give nothing for salvation, but yet we give everything in terms of ourselves. We say this life that we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself up for us. And we turn to him and don't live these lifestyles and recognize those who are the children of God and those who are the children of the devil. This has been Chad Davidson. and This is the 511 News. The 511 News with Chad Davidson has been brought to you by Good Fight Ministries, bringing you news and commentary from a Christian perspective. This show can be heard every Friday wherever podcast shows are available or visit 511news.org. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to being with you next week on the 511 News.